welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper and our first episode in our new series, Perfect Mess, as we dig deeper into 1 Corinthians chapters 1 to 7. My name is Clayton Ryan, and this week I'll be discussing chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, with our senior pastor, Rod Bailey. Welcome, Rod, and how are you doing as we're getting ever closer to meeting in person again? Yeah, it's exciting. Well, Mm. Monday was our freedom day, right? And uh, I didn't (laughs) feel completely euphoric. I wasn't lining up at midnight with some of the people at Kmart that I saw a vision of. But um, (laughs) no, it's it's certainly exciting that we're moving forward and I'm looking forward to us being back here at church. Yeah, I saw signs of the news. Some of the pubs were opening at midnight. And I just thought to myself, I don't think I'd be that keen for a beer Mm. that I would go for midnight on Sunday (laughs) just to... Just to be there. Yeah. Lines up for anything at midnight don't make sense to me, but that's, yeah. that's just me, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hairdressers, maybe I can understand that as our own doc is recording. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we um, begin, as we begin a new series looking at a perfect mess of a church in Corinth, what are your hopes or expectations for this series for WBC? Yeah, I'm hoping that we'll see that there's a lot to learn and apply today despite our situation being so different to Mm. that in Corinth because the biblical principles that Paul is outlining can be used in any number of situations. Mm. So I think the mess actually pushes us uh, in the, the mess in Corinth pushes us to think hard about our interactions with other believers and mm-hmm. what strengthens or what weakens community. Yeah. And hence our little interview series that's going to be part of the online services through yeah. this uh, yeah. Corinthian uh, series that, uh, you know, we need to think hard about our community, how to strengthen the body mm-hmm. of Christ. And I think Corinthians will really help us to do that well as a church together. Yeah. Because I guess four months online, it's it's easy to forget how to relate to other people. Yeah, it's true. We yeah. have all been isolated. And I know we, it sounds like a joke to some people to speak in that way. Like mm. it's, uh, it's like riding a bike, you don't forget, you know, you just slot back into it. But yeah, yeah I don't think that's always the case. That mm. um, I've noticed even with my own children, they're just less interaction with people as they normally would. And it's yeah. going to be a bit more of a push to get and connect yeah. with people and yeah, so I think it is good for us to think hard about these things, and maybe we mm. wouldn't examine ourselves and uh, think into some of these topics otherwise. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Now, before we begin discussing the letter, could you perhaps give us a quick recap of your sermon from Sunday to, to get our heads back into 1 Corinthians? Yeah, so my big question was, why should believers be united in the gospel? And I had three answers to that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Firstly, because that's what saves us and draws us together. Secondly, because that's what grants us uh, every spiritual blessing. And then finally, because it focuses us on the cross of Christ. So, yeah, I think there's a lot in those first 17 verses about the identity of the Corinthians and, and how that should um, play out, and that all centers around uh, the gospel that's brought them together. Mm-hmm. Let me read for us verse 2. So this is after Paul introduces himself. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God um, and to our brother Sosthenes. And then he says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, 
Now, I had a look through Paul's other letters, and it's only to the church in Corinth that Paul actually addresses to the church of God in Corinth. What, what do you think is the significance of Paul saying the church of God rather than, say, just the church in Corinth? Yes, I, I think there are two things going on here. Uh, firstly, the phrase is more literally God's assembly, where I think the emphasis on uh, God's gathered people who are meeting to hear the Bible read and taught mm. um, to practice the Lord's Supper together particularly. We've got to remember that this would have been a collection of household churches, mm -hmm. but it seems from a few verses through 1 Corinthians that they actually gathered together. We don't know how often, maybe mm. monthly or something so that they might share in, say, the Lord's Supper or other things together. Mm. So I think it's indicating to us um, that the, you know, there were these moments where they were drawn together as a, a larger assembly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think secondly, it's really highlighting that the church doesn't belong to a particular leader, but yeah. it belongs to God. So there's so much identity politics, as we saw in this first chapter, yeah. um, around I follow this person or that person. Mm. And so I think Paul, right from the get-go, is saying, no, this is God's church. He actually bought this membership, this mm. group of believers through the yeah. blood of his son, and it's, yeah. it's he that has brought you together, and it's his church. He rules over it. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting. So, and you mentioned, I think was it a couple of weeks ago, the Mars Hill, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, and, and there they bring out a number of sort of churches where they're really focused on the personality mm. of the leader. And so... Yeah, it kind of reminded me of those, like, you know, Bill Hybels was mm -hmm. one, or even Rick Warren, you mm -hmm. know, not that he's like those guys, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, our friends that go to that church and they say, oh, I'm going to Rick Warren's church. Yes. In there, uh, and it's, yeah. It's a large phenomenon today, the sort yeah. of celebrity status of some of the pastors of these huge mega churches, and you can understand why they have a name. They often yeah. have podcasts and books and a whole lot of stuff that yeah. goes with that position, but... Yeah, this is not the essence of the local church. Yeah. And we need to be very careful. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of local churches, like I love being in local churches where we aren't all the same. You know, a church where there's so many different age groups around, people at different stages of life, um, different backgrounds, different cultures, different skin colors and everything. Is this something you think churches should be striving for? Absolutely. Uh, mm. We should reflect the culture that surrounds us. And I think if we don't, mm. there's actually something wrong. Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is that, um, you know, the gospel is for all people. Mm. And we know that the picture of heaven given to us in Revelation is that, you know, people from every tribe, language, and people gathered together worshiping God. Mm. And really, the local church should be a microcosm of that today. Yeah. It should reflect. Uh, the society. And so if you have a, a very multicultural uh, city like Wollongong, mm -hmm. but then you had a church that only has one you know, culture represented, yeah. there's something missing. There's a problem there because are they uh, in some sense racist or not seeking to reach all people or mm. they've confined themselves um, to this particular group for whatever reason. That yeah. There's something um, wrong about their understanding of the gospel yeah. and their desire as believers should be to reach all people yeah and so I, I actually i grew up in a church that was fairly anglo in Campbelltown at a time when it was fairly uh dominated um mm. by just an anglo community yeah uh, by the time i left there it was actually changing and today mm. the church i grew up in uh relates to that multicultural yeah. environment which is really exciting to see but since then i've been in chatswood and in wollongong places where 
yeah, the the yeah. area is very um, a great diversity yeah. of uh, cultures, and we're all the richer for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now I feel really strange if I go into a church and I don't see a mix of nationalities. I, mm. I start questioning yeah. whether this is representative. Yeah, of the neighbourhood. Yeah. The church we're at in Prague uh, for the couple of years we were there, it's the International Baptist Church in Prague. And I think we worked out at one point there was about was either 44 or 45 different nationalities um, represented in a church of about maybe 110, 115 mm. people. And that was just awesome. Like when you're preaching there and you look out, there's just everything under the sun <laughs> in there. And it's really, and even on the leadership, we had a whole mix. We had local Czechs, we had um, Iranians, we had Australians, we had a Welsh guy, um, American. It was just really good to have different things. And for me personally, I think I've just been challenged so much to by my views on things, mm. uh, just to have other people's input and cultures. Yes. It's, I think it's sharpened me a lot because of it. Yeah, not yeah. to mention the food, you know. If you have combined yes, yes. lunch, it's so much better. <laughs> yes. You know? it's the variety is fantastic. Yeah, yeah the potluck lunches. Oh. <laughs> now in verses 4 to 7, it talks about God's grace given to the Corinthians in Christ Jesus. And it says they're enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge. But then our next passage, which next week, as we start to go into chapter 2, is where Paul says he didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. So how do we balance that? You know, we've been on the one hand we've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge, but Paul's saying I didn't come along with eloquence and wisdom. How do we balance these two things? Yeah, there's clearly a tension there. I mean, mm. God can gift people to speak well, mm. uh, but rhetoric doesn't determine the outcome of ministry. Mm. Um, so the power is in the message, not the messenger. Um, and I think Paul is trying to walk that fine line. I mean, mm. it's a, a letter where there's going to be a lot said about gifts in 1 mm. Corinthians 12, which we won't get to um, in this particular series, but hopefully next year. And, you know, so clearly, um, you know, giftings are not wrong and people can um, have an ability uh, to put things. But, you know, as Romans one sixteen says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because mm. it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. So um, what will be effective in Corinth or anywhere else in the world is you know, the Holy Spirit applying God's word to people's hearts and minds yeah. through a clear presentation of the gospel. Not, mm. It's not about the eloquence of the speaker. Um, yeah. And so Paul is trying to address what is a, a big blind spot for this church yeah. that is gifted with people and, yeah. and has others that have come in like Apollos that seem to be good at yeah. the rhetorical skills that the Greeks are so yeah. appreciated, yeah. Um, but not to subtly shift their trust into those things. Yeah. yeah. I guess at other points we see Paul does speak very eloquently, like before mm. King Agrippa or I'm assuming when he was at, in Athens and that he spoke very well because they wanted to hear more. That's right, yeah. yeah. It's not like Paul is um, mm. unable to speak clearly. It's not like he's hasn't been highly educated. He has. Yeah. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's yeah. an expert in the Old Testament law. Yeah. Like, you know, he has great ability, mm. but he can see that, um, you know, they're comparing one with another. They're starting to place um, their trust in the human element yeah. rather than in God's work through his message. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wanted to dig a little deeper, too, into this term, blameless, that comes up. I think you said it means we are unimpeachable. 
not that we don't sin, but because God sees Jesus when he looks at us, it's like in a way we can't be cut off mm. from him. I think this is both an incredible assurance as a believer, uh, that when God looks at us, he sees us as blameless people. So it's a real comfort to me. But I think it could also potentially make you know, us take our eyes off off the ball a little in terms of godliness. Would that be right? Yeah, there is that danger. Um, and I think this is uh, most famously spoken about by Paul elsewhere in Romans chapter 6, mm. where he's aware of that classic response because he sort of builds that into his argument. He's mm. obviously heard that from people before where they say, oh, well, if God's you know saved me and he's undeserved favor his grace just covers my sin well maybe i should even sin all the more which will just yeah. exalt god's grace and yeah. we'll see even more of it you know and yeah. and paul's response to that immediately in romans 6 2 is you know by no means yeah. we died to sin how can we live in it any longer yeah. um and so i think you know he's already addressing this in this uh opening section of 1 corinthians because in verse 2 as he talked about the people mm. talked about them being sanctified or set apart, made holy. Hmm. So these things get to the heart of their identity as believers and ours too. And so we have to know whose we are now. We're, we're Christ's yeah. and we're to live for him. And so it doesn't fit uh, with our new identity in him hmm. that we would think that we're just free to act in a way yeah. that would deny his lordship. You know, yeah. if he really is lord of my life, then I'm going to submit in everything I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really helpful way to think through that, to balance that assurance of I am saved, I am blameless, and actually that should motivate me to live a life of godliness, not not hit the cruise control. That's right. Yeah. Now, as you were preaching about this sort of coming back to the focus on the messenger uh, rather than the message, um, as you were preaching about that, it reminded me of a comment that Don Carson once said at a conference I was at, and he was principally talking about his father going off to French-speaking um, Canada and just 30 years of just slogging it out and seeing very, very little fruit. Um, but he was saying that it isn't the celebrity pastors of the world that are the heroes of the church today, and included himself in that one as one who's popularly traveling around the world, speaking at conferences and things like that. We said, rather, it's the pastors who serve week to week in their congregations. They're the real heroes of the church, you know, faithfully serving God when nobody knows who they are. Now, would you agree with this? And maybe what are the challenges that are faced with this today? Yeah, well, this is particularly a trick question, right? Because <laughs> if I say yes to this, then I'm in danger of saying, yes, I'm the hero as a local <laughs> yeah. uh, pastor. Um, but look, if we believe that the local church is actually mm. the center of God's plan uh, for salvation, that yep. the church is there um, and it's the primary means by which people will be reached with the gospel and built up in their faith, mm. then what happens in the local church is important. We have to grasp the importance of just the day-to-day, week-to-week activities mm. and ministries of a local church. Yeah. Um, and not get caught up in the celebrity factor, mm. as we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, there's aspects of that which are tricky. So, um, you know, if a local church is struggling and they're mm. seeing very little fruit, as you mentioned with the example of Don Carson's father, um, 
then, you know, it can be easy for the pastor to be discouraged or perhaps question what he's doing. Mm. But I guess we'll see in a couple of weeks' time as we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that it's yeah. God who produces the fruit. Yeah. And so we've got to be yeah, careful there that we don't start to think, you know, the outcomes depend on people again, mm. which is yeah, a big concern for Paul as he writes this letter to a yeah. church that's fixated with such things. Mm. Um, on the flip side, though, if you're a member of a local church, then it's easy in today's day and age mm. to be less engaged or interested in, I don't know, the ministries or the teaching of your local church because, well, I can just tune in, you know, to a video or a podcast with some yeah. celebrity pastor that I like overseas who yeah. shares just what I like to hear and. Yeah they're more interesting or they present more eloquently or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. And so they really become the pastor for this person and their local church is kind of a, yeah. a secondary add-on almost yeah, to their yeah. spiritual walk. And so there's a danger in that because um, we are not in relationship with that person overseas that we've mm. never met perhaps. Yeah. Um, and while ever they might um, teach the Bible well and we can thank God for that, yeah. um, we're being given a local body of believers that we're to walk through life with and we need them mm. for them to spur us on. But we need to hear God's word in that context of relationship with other people yeah. um, as we you know, encourage and challenge people week to week in mm. our own lives. So, yeah, we've got to be very careful to see, yeah, there's some great uh, resources out there which I can mm -hmm. benefit from, yeah. but that can't be the heart of my commitment and interest and involvement as a believer. I really need to put down my roots in a local church yeah. and give myself to that uh, setting, not only for my own growth but for the growth of other people that I'm there, not just for myself and what I receive, mm. but to give in this community. Yeah. I often try to picture... You know, the, the image that's used in the Bible is one of a shepherd. And so I picture, well, how many sheep do I think a shepherd can look after? And I said, well, I would imagine he could probably look after, you know, if he's got a couple of good dogs, um, a few hundred sheep. Um, but once you start to get more than that, then he's got to start to bring in other people to help. That's right. And if those people are shepherds, then there's going to be a tension in there. So there's a limit, really, to sort of how big you can go before the shepherd starts to lose his influence this over is true. the sheep. Yeah, and yeah. I think lots of um, yeah different studies over the last 10, 20 mm. years have shown that yeah, about 150 to 200 people are those that an individual person can know well mm. as a pastor and care for, which yeah. is why we have multiple pastors here mm. at WBC because we've gone beyond that. And so I can't have that personal interaction and care for everyone as I'd like to have. Yeah. Um, it's not the desire of the pastor, but it's just the ability at that yeah. level. And so you need you know several people so that we can care effectively. And beyond the pastors, we need pastoral care team as we have and an eldership and others that are yeah. supporting. So it should never come down to one or two people hmm. um, and that's um, part of that body life that yeah. serves us all yeah yeah that's really helpful to sort of link it back into the the body of christ caring for one another lastly our series is titled perfect mess uh, which i think is a great title uh, for these opening chapters uh first corinthians and i think i summarized part of your preaching on this as a sinful but saved church through the gospel of jesus christ as we read through the New Testament, we see the Greeks favoured sort of fancy and eloquent delivery of speech. Uh, Jesus said the Jews demand signs. But Paul seems pretty clear that all we need is the gospel. Can you finish our time together, Rod, just saying, why is this the case? 
Yeah, well, those other things might uh, look impressive, um, but they're often a distraction. Um, yeah, we are neither saved or grow through spectacular outward events, uh, generally speaking. It's God's inward work in us through the gospel message being applied to our heart, our mind, by the work of his Holy Spirit. It's the spirit that convicts people and helps them to respond and grow and change. And so, yeah, we, we're we just drawn to outward things mm. rather than the inward because we can't see the inward or it's not as impressive perhaps to us um, in the same way that we... Um, yeah, sadly can be attracted to um, people or events or um, mm. products or whatever by the way something is packaged or the way people appear on the outside. But really it's the heart or the, you know, the inward nature mm. of the person or what it is we're doing which should drive us and be the thing that determines our interest. Um, so we have mm. to acknowledge that we there's that sinful tendency within yeah. us that we're yep. – we're drawn to the superficial, to yeah. the outward. Yeah. Um, but the powerful stuff is happening unseen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and so much of what we do, even in church life, recognizes that. You know, we say that we have somebody baptized as an in outward indication of mm. their trust in the Lord Jesus. But it's the inward change that's already taken place unseen through the yeah. work of the Spirit and their response yeah. of repentance and faith, which is crucial. Yeah. Um, baptism is just an outward sign for the rest of us to s- acknowledge what God has yeah. done wonderfully in this person's life. Yeah. Same with the Lord's Supper. Again, uh, you know, it's, it's about our relationship with Christ and how mm. we're thinking and praying as we receive it, not just the tokens that we you know, and the motions that we go through. So, um, yeah, we've got to be careful to differentiate those two things in our minds. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that'll be a key factor as we um, unpack this yeah. letter of 1 Corinthians. Yeah. And I suppose thinking thinking that through, like that's not an excuse for the preacher to be boring as well. Like there is a responsibility mm. for us to not sort of sell it or package it, but like mm. we're to be as, pers- like Paul often says, like we're to be as persuasive mm. as we can and we're to be as clear as we can, but yeah. trusting in the word, not. That's not, right, yeah. yeah. And it's, again, it comes back to what we mentioned earlier about well, God will give people to be yeah. able to present his word and they're mm. um, going to be helpful for the church. Um, and we don't want to dismiss that. In fact, yeah. that helps us as we um, try and understand things. But those gifts have to be seen by the person as uh, there to serve the body and yeah. the encouragement, not to point attention to themselves, but to deflect it away to Jesus, who yeah. we're trying to exalt. And the same for the listener. You know, we need to, yeah, it is good to mm. have somebody that can uh, assist us and speak in a way that's. Uh, clear and helpful but we have to keep thinking well this is just so that I can grow better with my relationship with Christ it's not about that person you know and I I like how they do something Um, yeah so balancing that for us as um, believers and you know Mm. as a church community is important to think through clearly and this is just one of those things that the this letter helps us to start to dig into yeah excellent thank you Rod for your time and I think that's a really good introduction into the series I'm really looking forward to to seeing what we're going to be doing like both in home groups and on Sunday uh, to sort of unpack this letter a bit more and thank you everyone for listening and for Mike for recording 
And remember, everyone, the power of the gospel. So don't trust in the charisma of the preacher as it cannot save us. Don't trust in factions or cliques as they take our focus away from Jesus. Trust in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it alone holds the power of salvation. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org.